actually live that out. Today, we are reminded of all we have to be thankful for. May that gratitude move our hearts and cause us to make every day Thanksgiving. So good morning. morning. Sorry for the delay there. I couldn't be in two places at one time getting the kids' computer all set up. But good morning. I hope everyone had an awesome Thanksgiving. How was it? Good? You know, it's such a blessing to just stop and think about all that we have to be thankful for, isn't it? Because when we take time to do this, we should realize we have so much to be thankful for. If you are alive, then there is a reason to be thankful, no matter what's going on in your life. Now, I do find it interesting that in America, we have one official day set aside each year to give thanks. But as Christ followers, we aren't called to just celebrate thankfulness one day a year. We're called to celebrate it 24-7, seven days a week. Also, if we really stop and think about it, how much of our Thanksgiving holiday here in America is really about giving thanks anyway? Ask most people in our society, and it's more, it's more about literally stuffing our faces full of turkey or pies or mashed potatoes or you name the food, watching football or hunting or anything else other than Jesus and what he's done for us. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying any of those things in and of themselves are necessarily bad. I'm simply pointing out that without the right perspective, these things can easily overshadow the reason that we should be thankful. So what is the reason we should be thankful? Well, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then there is plenty to be thankful for. That right there, just that is enough, right? What Jesus did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, is enough to last a lifetime to be thankful for, just that. And as Christ followers, being thankful is what we are called to do. It is the will of God for our lives. And we are to do this in everything. So turn with me in your Bibles to our text for today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. You don't have a Bible, we've got them here on the bookshelf to my right and your left. Or you can follow along on the screen or on your mobile device. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Just one verse for today. How about that? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's be clear, this verse is not saying we need to be thankful for everything. But it is saying we need to be thankful in everything. And there is a huge difference. Let's face it, being thankful for our circumstances is next to impossible when our circumstances are less than what we desire. We've lost a job. We've lost someone very dear to us. We've been hurt physically or we've been hurt emotionally. We've been diagnosed with some life-altering or life-threatening condition. These are circumstances that we would look at and we would say, no way can I be thankful for these things. But our text goes much deeper than our circumstances. Our text is saying that we are to give thanks in everything. So no matter where we are or what's going on in our lives, we can still be thankful. God wants us to be thankful to him in everything, even in our difficulties even in our pain, even in our disappointments, our hurts, our failures, our losses, we are to give thanks 
in everything. And when we have this perspective of giving thanks in everything, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Romans 8, 28. He works everything for our good. Now, not everything is good, but he works everything for our good. Now, we often don't understand this, nor do we always appreciate this, but that does not change the truth of God's word. Here's what it all comes down to. It comes down to trust. Do we trust God or not? You've got your hand out and you're taking notes. That's a blank that you can fill in. Do we trust God or not? Because when we resist giving thanks in everything, we are in effect saying we don't trust God. Oh, it's easy to give thanks when things are going well, when we're feeling good, when our kids are obedient, when we receive some amazing blessing. Oh, it's easy to give thanks then. We can hang our signs from Hobby Lobby all over our house. Blessed. Give thanks. Thankful, can't we? We can post on social media a beautiful photo of ourselves, of our family, or of our friends and say, hashtag blessed, hashtag thankful. Yeah, it's all too easy then. But when things aren't going our way, when we're feeling terrible, when the enemy is wreaking havoc in our lives through fear or worry or doubt, what then? Are we able to give thanks in those circumstances? Where is our trust? Because if we trust God, we will be thankful to God no matter what our situation is. And listen, it is never about the what in our lives. What's going on? What's happening to us? What's happening around us? It is all about who God is. God is still God no matter what's going on in our lives. So we have to get our eyes off the what and get them on the who. And when we do, we can give thanks in everything. Now, this isn't easy. We often get caught up in trying to figure out the how. How can I get through this? How will God provide? When we cannot see the how, it really zaps our ability to give thanks. Again, our focus gets off what it needs to be. I love what Jody Harris said, who writes devotions for Proverbs 31 Ministries. Here's what she said. She said, when we can't see the how, we can trust the who, Jesus. You see, it all comes back to trust in God. We don't always have to see the how. Because if we know the who, Jesus, nothing else matters. Not the what, what's going on, and not the how. How's it going to work out? We have to get our eyes off the what and the how and get them on and keep them on Jesus. And when we have this perspective, we can always give thanks in everything. But there's a problem we all face. There is a problem. And it goes right back to the Garden of Eden. When we see God as anything less than good, we don't trust him. And we are ungrateful to him. I love how Ann Voskamp in her book, 1,000 Gifts, at Dare to Live Fully, right where you are, I love how she explains this. Here's what she says. She says, Adam and Eve are simply, painfully ungrateful for what God gave. Our fall was, has always been, and always will be, that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more, something other. In the beginning, our eyes were already open. Our sight was perfect. Our vision let us see a world spilling with goodness. Our eyes fell on nothing but the glory of God. We saw God as he truly is, good. But we were lured by the deception that there was more to a full life. There was more to see. 
And true, there was more to see. The ugliness we hadn't beheld, the sinfulness we hadn't witnessed, the loss we hadn't known. We eat, and in an instant, we are blind. No longer do we see God as one we can trust. No longer do we perceive him as wholly good. End quote. This is the fall of mankind when we took our eyes off of God. When we no longer saw God in all his glory. When we long for something more than him, when all along he was more than enough. He is and always has been all we need. And yet we often get lured away by the things in the world. We become dissatisfied and ungrateful for what we already have. Because the truth is, if we have him, we have all we need. And that is worth giving thanks for in everything. Now, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, that's great, Ian, but I still can't give thanks in everything. My life is a mess. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today, and your life feels like one big mess. And you don't know how in the world you can give thanks. And the sheer thought of being thankful just makes you even more mad. Perhaps that's you today. But I'm here to remind you that God loves you, even in your mess. So don't you dare give up on him because he doesn't give up on you. You are not here in this service by accident. And that is something to be thankful for. That God loved you enough to bring you here today to remind you of how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. So let me ask you a question. Are you seeking him or are you seeking a solution to your problems? Because if you are pursuing anything other than him, you are missing what you truly need. He is the only one who can do anything about our problems. But I can assure you of this. He is much more interested in doing something in us than doing something for us. We don't pursue him for what he does. We pursue him for who he is. And he is good. Psalm 100, verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You see, when we see God as he really is, which is good, what should come naturally after that is thankfulness. His goodness should lead to our thankfulness. Over and over again in the scriptures, we are called to give thanks to him because he is good good give thanks to the lord for he is good his love endures forever we see this in first chronicles 16 34 psalm 106 verse 1 107 verse 1 118 verse 1 118 verse 29 and 136 verse 1 this is a command we are to give him thanks because he is good and putting this together with our text for today from 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we are to give thanks in everything. So the question is, how can we live this out? How is this possible in our lives? To give thanks in everything, we can look to three things in our lives to help us. Three things we're going to talk about. Number one, we can look to our past. We can look to our past. We do this by remembering what God has done for us. Because when we remember what he has done and how he was faithful to us, it reminds us that God is always faithful and he is always able. If he came through for us in the past, then why in the world would we ever doubt him right now in whatever it is we're dealing with? 
But sadly, many of us, when we're faced with tough circumstances in our present, we get spiritual amnesia. And we forget what God has already done for us in the past. This is exactly what the Israelites suffered from after God rescued them from slavery they'd been under for more than 400 years. God sent Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. It was an absolutely miraculous time. The Israelites witnessed the 10 plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians through Moses that were the catalyst to Pharaoh eventually letting them all go free. The Israelites saw the mighty hand of God part the Red Sea, and they all walked through on dry ground. And the water crashed down after them, killing all of the Egyptian army who had been chasing them. Then God personally led them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. All of these events were truly amazing. And they each demonstrated God's faithfulness. And yet the Israelites did exactly what we often do today. They suffered from spiritual amnesia. They forgot God's faithfulness and how he had delivered them. And instead of giving thanks, they whined and complained about their current circumstances. Over and over again, throughout the 40 years of wandering in the desert, it was the same pattern. Same pattern. God provides for his people. And then what happens? The people soon forget God, and then they whine and complain. Three days after God did the amazing by parting the Red Sea, the people soon forget God and begin to whine and complain about not having any water. So what does God do? He provides them water. Then they soon forget and begin to grumble about not having food. And again, God provides. He gives them what? You guys should know this from last week, right? He gives them manna. So they soon forget. And they begin to grumble because now they want meat. And God provides them meat. God provides, they forget, then they complain. It's the same cycle. God was faithful and they were ungrateful. Over and over again, you see that same pattern. You see their story was written for you and I so that we would learn to trust and obey God. God is always faithful. And that deserves us always being thankful. So to combat this ungratefulness that can often seep into our lives, we must remember God's faithfulness. So look to your past. Remember what God has done for you. Look back and remember how God has provided for you. Look back and see how he's loved you and how he's been gracious to you. Look back and see how God rescued you. Maybe it was some sort of an accident that you walked away from. Maybe there was a job that you needed and God provided. Perhaps you were sick and God made you well. Maybe it was God bringing people into your life at just the right time. Your spouse, your friends, your family. However he's been faithful in our lives, we must remember. And when we look to our past and remember God's faithfulness, it should absolutely lead to our thankfulness. So to give, to give thanks in everything we first look to our past. Next, we need to find the joy in our present. We must find the joy in our present. And there is always joy to be found. We may not see it right away because our present situation may be masking it. But I can promise you it's there. If you are a child of God, then there is reason to have joy. 
You are carrying around with you the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. You are a child of the King. You are his creation. You have his strength. You have his protection. You have his rest. You have his mercy. You have his grace. You have his peace. You have his victory. You have his unfailing love. You have every spiritual blessing in him. He has redeemed you. He has adopted you. He has forgiven you. He fights for you. He leads you. He listens to you. He cares for you. He gives you freedom. He meets every need you have. He will, he, he will help you. He will never leave you. And he will complete what he started in you. There is always joy in him. And this joy in him should cause us to give thanks in everything. Now, let me illustrate this principle of finding joy in our present. Corrie Ten Boom survived one of the darkest times in our history as she lived through the Holocaust. She, along with her sister Betsy, were put in a Nazi concentration camp because they were hiding Jews in the walls of their home. And in her book called The Hiding Place, she shares this amazing story of discovering thankfulness in the midst of horrendous circumstances. Listen to what she describes. She said, quote, Barracks 8 was in the quarantine compound. Next to us, perhaps as a deliberate warning to newcomers, were located the punishment barracks. From there, all day long, and often into the night, came the sounds of hell itself. They were not the sounds of anger or of any human emotion, but of a cruelty altogether detached. Blows landing in regular rhythm, screams keeping pace. We would stand in our ten deep ranks with our hands trembling at our sides, longing to jam them against our ears to make the sounds stop. It grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something else failed to make sense. Something else grew too heavy, end quote. But in the midst of all this suffering, Corey, her sister, and all the women prisoners around them found comfort in the Bible studies that they secretly held in their barracks from a Bible that they had smuggled in. Corey wrote that the darker things became, the brighter, the truer, and more beautiful the word of God burned. And then they were moved to barracks number 28. And it was here where Corey was absolutely horrified because their straw beds reeked and were infested with fleas. And she, brought to, she thought to herself, how can we live in such a place? And it was her sister Betsy who discovered God's answer. Betsy said, quote, rejoice always, Pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's our verse for today, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. She continues, that's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. Corey answered her sister, the fleas, this was too much. Betsy, there's no way God can make me grateful for a flea. <laughs> Betsy replied, give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And Corey then said, and so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. It turned out that Betsy was not wrong. The fleas were a problem, but they were also a blessing. The women in those barracks were able to have Bible studies and have a great deal of freedom. They were never bothered by the Nazi guards coming in and harassing them, and they finally realized why. It was the fleas that kept the guards out of their barracks. 
Through those fleas, God protected the women from abuse and harassment. Dozens of desperate women were free to hear the hope and the comfort in the word of God. Through those fleas, God protected them from much worse things, and he made sure that their deepest and most precious needs were met. And you see, God does the same thing in our lives. What are the fleas in your life? Ask yourself that. As a child of God, there is always reason to have joy. Always, even in the worst circumstances possible. We must always find the joy in our present. Now, our third and final point on how to give thanks in everything is that we need to look to our future. We've got to look to our future. This is exactly how Jesus endured the cross. He looked to his future. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, We are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross because he looked to his future. He had to go through incredible suffering and pain, but he knew that on the other side of the cross was the joy that was set before him. And you see, he left this pattern for you and me because we're to do exactly the same thing. We are to look to our future because the same joy that was set before Jesus is the same joy that is set before you and I as believers. The joy, this joy is beyond anything we could ever imagine if we would only believe it. Do you know that? It's more than we could ever imagine if we would only believe it. And let me give us just a, a brief preview of this joy. We will have the free gift of complete and total forgiveness for our sins. Romans 6.23 We will never have to earn our way to heaven by keeping the law. Galatians 2.16 We will have all of our needs provided while we're here on this earth. Philippians 4.19 We will receive all the grace we need so that we will excel in every good work that he has planned for us. 2 Corinthians 9.8 God will complete the good work that he began in all of us. Philippians 1.6 Because what he starts, he finishes. We will be raised from the dead and receive new bodies and will never again die. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 53. Which means that we someday soon will see Jesus as he is and we will always be with him and we will be like him. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 1 John 3, 2. And on that day, we will experience the fullness of joy. Psalm 16, 11 a joy that is 100% pure, with no corruption from the world, perfect, beautiful, wonderful, amazing, full, and complete joy. We will be completely free from all sin, all corruption, and all evil. Romans 8, 21. We will have God forever as our exceeding joy. 1 Peter 3, 18, Psalm 43, 4. Now, isn't this joy that is set before us worth being thankful for right now? Amen. Let me say it again. The joy that was set before Jesus is the same joy that is set before you and I. It's the same joy. And we know that because we are co-heirs with Christ. 
Romans 8, chapter, or Romans chapter 8, verse 17 tells us so. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This verse is also a reminder that in order to share in this joy that is set before us, this future glory, we will also have to share in Christ's sufferings. You see, no one likes to hear that, do they? That hurts, doesn't it? But that's the truth of God's word. That's a different message for a different day. So let me keep going. But let me offer one more verse that puts all of this into perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18 says this. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there'll be what? Great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles, someone needs to hear this today right here. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot, cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Bless you. You see, Jesus looked to his future. He kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him. And this focus is what produced thankfulness. On the night before he was crucified on the cross for our sins and suffered the worst death possible, he took all 12 of his disciples to an upper room where they shared the last supper together. And it was at this meal that Jesus instituted our Holy Communion, which we all shared together last week. Now, there are many reasons on why this is so significant, but let me just narrow in on one specific reason that relates to our focus today. Just before Jesus broke the bread and poured the wine, the word says he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And in just a short time from this moment, Judas would betray him. He would be arrested, and then he would begin the brutal journey to the cross. And yet, there he is, right in the current moment, giving thanks. He is giving thanks in everything because this is the will of his Father in heaven. And he is giving thanks before his victory. He is giving thanks before receiving the joy set before him. He is giving thanks before God resurrects him from the dead. How in the world is he able to do this? Because he was looking to his future. And this is the very principle we all need to take away today. If you don't get anything else today, I need you to lean in and get this one right here. Here's the principle. Our future joy should lead to our present thankfulness. Our future joy should lead to our present thankfulness. Because when we run the race that is set before us, we follow in the footsteps of Jesus who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And therefore, we can give thanks in everything because we know Whatever we go through in this life is just a blip compared to all eternity. Now, let me drive this point home just a bit deeper. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 through 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance un incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven 
for you. This inheritance that we will one day receive if we have now received Jesus as our Lord and Savior is reserved in heaven for us. This is the joy that is set before us. That's why we can have a living hope now. And that is always worth giving thanks for no matter what is going on in our lives. Now, let's look at this very same verse in the Good News translation so this becomes even more clear. We're going to look at the same verse, different translation. And this should come into more greater focus as we do this. Watch this. Let us give thanks to God, the Father of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. And so we do what? Say it with me. We look forward to possessing the rich blessings that God keeps for his people. He keeps them for you in heaven where they cannot spoil or decay or fade away. In Jesus, our future is secure. Nothing can take that away. This is what fills us with a living hope so that we can look forward to our future. And this is worth being thankful for all the time because our future joy should lead to our present thankfulness. When we resist giving thanks in everything, we are in effect saying we don't trust God. That's what it comes down to, bless you. All too often, our focus is fixated on what? What's going on in our lives? Or how? How will God provide? Or even the when. I didn't talk about that one. When? When will God provide? We have to get our eyes off the what. We've got to get our eyes off the how or even the when and just get them on the who, who God is. And he is always good. His goodness should lead to our thankfulness. And if we know his word, we know this is true. Yet it can be sometimes difficult for us to live it out. So there are three ways that we can live out giving thanks in everything that we cover today. We can first look to our past. We remember what God has done. Second, we find the joy in our present because there is always joy in Jesus. And third, we look to our future. Just as Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him, you and I are to do the very same thing because that joy is also our joy. And our future joy should lead to our present thankfulness. So if we have Jesus, we have all we need. And that is worth giving thanks for in everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have every spiritual blessing we would ever need in you. And yet we, just like the Israelites, often get lured away by the things in this world. We get tangled up in our circumstances. We're frustrated about things not going our way right now in our, in our present. And so, Lord, these things that we've talked about today, looking at our past, remembering your faithfulness or finding the joy in our present or even looking to our future, knowing what's as, if we're a child of God, we know our future is secure in you. So all of those things ought to remind us that we are to give thanks in everything. And, Lord, this giving thanks is something we should be doing every single day not just one day a year. And so, Lord, you have done so much for us, and we're so, we're so undeserving of that, and yet by your grace and your mercy, you pour out your love anyway, your unfailing love. And so, Father, I pray for whoever may be here today feeling broken or tired or lost or just feeling like they want to give up because of what's happening in their life. I pray today that you'd remind them 
that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they have glorious purpose in you, that you love them, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for them, and that it's in you. And if we'll just keep our eyes on you, we can be thankful. So, Lord, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in and through this church, what you've done in this amazing church family here. It is just awesome to behold. We had an amazing Friendsgiving last Saturday, and I just thank you, Lord, for that family that you've created here. It's, it's you that has done that, and so we give you glory and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you're here and you need prayer of any kind or something spoke to you today and you want to talk about it or you want to pray about something, I'll be right up here. I'd love to do that with you. Uh, but God bless you. I'm totally, totally excited for where God is leading us. So if you didn't see the slide, next Sunday we're beginning a new series called The Light of the World as we prepare for Christmas. All right? So we'll see you next week.